Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the next edition of the Sports Pro Streamtime Podcast. My name is Chris Stone. I'm the community lead at Sports Pro Media, joined as always by our CEO, Nick Meacham. Now, Nick, you're technically the boss, so I do have to request it, but I would like to begin the episode with a little shameless self-promotion. Is that okay? Plug away, my friend. Plug away. So, as the community lead, it is my role to listen to the people, and there's enough precedent now from the people that they like to hear updates on my football coaching career. <laughs> so, this is... This is the first episode back since we went and played Sweden. So very proud to say the GB Women's National Program defeated Nick's Sweden, <laughs> 40 to nothing. Uh, the offense ran for almost 250 yards. Uh, very excited to say we scored six touchdowns with five different players. That's the like, type of you know spread of wealth that I like to have with my offensive unit. Obviously, the defense pitching a shutout is, uh, is great, and even the special teams uh, had returns past the 50. We downed a punt at the one-yard line. So a true three-phase of the game win, Nick. So, yeah, I know the viewers want to hear about it. So that's my shameless self-promotion. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, look, Chris, I would say I did turn on to watch uh, actually some of the action. And um, the uh, I think I turned on about the play before in the fourth quarter where your quarterback got intercepted. So I was like, oh, well, what's going on here? But uh, quickly, you guys uh, you guys were already on top. I think nearly 40, either 40 nil there or 33 nil then at the time. So it wasn't uh, too much to, to, to worry about then. It was about uh, 800, 700, 800 concurrent feet on the on the YouTube feed. So you had a good little, little audience there as well, uh, tuning in from all corners. And because they lost, I'm not accepting that uh, they'll be called Nick Sweden either. Uh, I'll only take that if... Uh, if they win, given the loose uh, the loose family connections, but for now it's uh, that that lot in the north. Um, it's their problem, not mine. What, when, when are you taking on Australia? That's that's when I'll uh, I'll start to get a bit more serious because that they must be better than Sweden, surely. Well, they interestingly did beat Sweden in the World Championship back in August. There you go. Um, but we probably won't play them until the next World Championship in 2026. Uh, so yeah, but I you know I'll use the logic that you know if you, you beat this team, you beat this team, and you beat that team by this many points, you must be better than that team. And we're number two in the world, Nick. So I would just assume that you know. Well, I will let you know if the Australia matchup ever comes. Don't worry. It sounds good, but congratulations, mate. That's a, a great achievement, and it was uh, it was was fun to watch. I I, I watched uh, pretty pretty avidly through the, the whole of the fourth quarter and. Um, yeah, it was it was a cool experience, and I saw your head pop up a few times on the sideline. Uh, uh, I think it was probably something along the lines of where, after the interception, where you were probably went like, "Time to change the quarterback." Uh. <laughs> so the funny the funny story about that actually is you'll see me when that interception is thrown, and the person stood next to me is my defensive coordinator. So our starting quarterback from the world championships is also the best linebacker in the country. So we made a move to let her go back to linebacker, which is her natural spot. Um, so the girl that was making the start is only 19 years old. It was her first start ever playing 11 aside football. Um, so a big moment for her. And she threw that interception. But if you watch the play, she makes a phenomenal tackle. And I look over my defensive coordinator and what I say is you can't take her to play linebacker too. <laughs> well, congrats, mate. When's, when's your next match? When's your next match? So we play in Germany at the end of May. I've already been told friend of the podcast and CEO Dime Media, Andreas Hayden, will be there. Um, so yeah, we'll be back out next month in Germany, and then uh, it's on to 2024 in terms of the European competitions. Well, look, I'm talking... Oh, send me a link. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I'm talking to the NFL's uh, head of Europe and international uh, in a matter of days. So I will be trying to tee that up to maybe 
get a little bit of extra buzz for you uh, for you in the upcoming game, given the the importance of Germany to the uh, to the NFL market to the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you may have heard a, an unfamiliar voice in the background, and we are joined today by a special guest. Um, I'm particularly very excited about this. My cunt, my family is originally um, from the hills of eastern Kentucky in the Appalachians, so the topic we're going to talk about is something that connects to my uh, my ancestral roots. And it's a really interesting story. We've talked about this before, Nick. You know, we get guests from the likes of the NFL, the NBA, ESPN, and the story they tell. Yeah, they're great. But they're almost too big to fail sometimes. But what's really interesting is when you hear about the innovation from some of the smaller we would refer to as underserved sports. And today we have the opportunity to hear from the Cowboy Channel, which we have a guest that was in our executive form at the OTT Summit in New York. And then I had an opportunity to, to have a, a beverage with him after the event. And I was like, you know what, we need to do a podcast on this. So I'm very excited to introduce for this episode, David Guinan, who is the chief digital officer at the Cowboy Channel. So Pleasure to have you with us, David. Thank you so much for having me. And I think it was beverages. <laughs> I can't say that in front of my boss. <laughs> Fair enough. No, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate the opportunity to uh, just sort of discuss rodeo streaming and everything we've done. Absolutely. So I will start with the first question, just to, to add a little bit of context for anyone that's on here that's saying, who are, who are the Cowboy Channel? Why should I be listening? Could you perhaps just give us a little bit of the size of the scale of, you know, how many events you guys are actually doing on a yearly basis, just so people have an under, understanding of like why we should be listening to this story? Because like I said, not everyone in our audience comes from those bigger organizations. Yeah, I mean, I had a full head of hair when I started, so it's a <laughs> lot of events. Um, I mean, we are poised to do 900 streaming performances this year. Uh, I mean, this is our really our fourth year out of the out of the shoot, as they call it in rodeo. Uh, but we've grown from really nothing in 2019 to uh, over a hundred thousand paying subscribers and over three hundred thousand free subscribers uh, to our OTT services and mobile app. And I think last year we streamed something like 14 million hours um of rodeo to, to people that want it i mean we have i mean it's a niche sport but i mean don't un underestimate the power and the fan avidity of niche uh it, it's pretty intense what is our expression here nick <laughs> i knew you're gonna you're gonna say i think it was originally found it wasn't it the, the chat the chat from zoom was the one that yep. said it uh, Amir. niches get the riches i think was uh his saying uh which is yep. you know it's quite a Quite a quite a meaty meaty uh, meaty line that one, and does not translate if you say it in English because we uh, in, in in British English because you say niche, so uh, yeah. doesn't quite doesn't quite translate the same. But niches get the riches and snitches get stitches. I believe are, are the <laughs> two American terms. Well, David, that actually nicely links into kind of the first question before we go in the Cowboy Channel, talking about snitches get stitches. Um, you know, people in the background might not see it, but you've got a Phillies jersey there and you're from Philadelphia. And there may be a certain stereotype about people from Philadelphia, particularly fully the sports accurate. fans. <laughs> fully accurate. But maybe just out of curiosity, you know, you've got an interesting background. You know, you talk about, you know, I'm a kid from Philadelphia and then you started off at MTV working in music. And I think as much as we talk sports, we talked about your love of uh, 90s and 80s hip hop. But maybe just how did you even get from, like you said, uh, a kid from Philadelphia in the music scene to all of a sudden running a channel on Cowboys? Well, it's a, a strange story. I mean, I've been involved in streaming. I was thinking about this. I was uh, at NAB meeting with the... Uh, the CEO of Quick Play, uh, who used to work at Real Player, 
uh, which I used in the nineties. I mean, it was, I fought with that player so much. I mean, just trying to get an embedded video as a design element in 97 with 15 different browsers. I mean, it was living hell. Um, at MTV, we, we fought with it all the time and this has never been easy. And now with YouTube, with everything, it's just, it's just, it's something that people take for granted, but in the 90s, streaming was, was hard. I mean, you had 56K modems, you had, you know, with real had to, you know, get a server, pay per stream. I mean, it's always been a, a challenge when it seems like it should be easy because, you know, over the air TV works like magic. It just works. Whereas streaming required a modem, a computer and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I was at MTV in 97. Uh, left in 2000, uh, started my own thing, which is really the only way to make money at MTV is you leave and get hired by them. Um, and just made a bunch of moves. I thought I was a filmmaker. Uh, made four films. They did okay on the festival circuits, but let's just say it's not a career. And um, I got back into television and ended up, uh, this is where things take, get strange, um, working for the former vice president in Nigeria. Um, where I went in 2014 to start a documentary and um, uh, news channel. And we had, you know, $20 million, uh, about 10,000 square you know, feet of raw space to build this channel. And as soon as I got there, it was, um, I mean, obviously eye-opening. I'd never been to Africa before, minus Morocco. But, you know, sub-Saharan is quite different. And um, there's no copper in the ground. Um, I mean, there's barely a, a power grid, so streaming really is the only way. And so we actually engineered the station to be digital first, streaming first, and use that, uh, use kind of little pods that were phone friendly to fulfill our FCC requirements, which I kid you not, the Nigerian FCC manual was written in Comic Sans, uh, which I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, I mean, my God, I love that country. Uh, and um, we took those pods and did our broadcast show uh, for uh, compliance. I mean, so we had our, you know, our nightly news show. And um, after the uh, 2015 election, uh, Buhari won, uh, who put in kind of draconian economic laws, like, you know, we'll grow our own rice, build our own cars, and put in uh, serious import tariffs. So it became really, really hard to build a, a television network when, you know, you're paying three times as much for a TriCaster and the, the Naira to dollar was, um, was you know, 200 when on the black market it was five. Uh, so we went up north uh, to Adamawa where um, the Boko Haram was. Uh, so we were technically in an insurgent zone. Uh, but now I'm going to bring in the fun part, which is I, I brought my wife and two-year-old with me. Uh, my wife will always say, uh, she was like, what's the food like? And I'm like, you'll, you'll love it. They have Pringles. It's great. And she, to this day, will say, you didn't tell me all they had was Pringles. Um, but it, it got dicey, I would say. I mean, our, our town was 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 bombed. Uh I mean, I saw crap that I never really want to talk about again, but um, uh, after our town was bombed, my, my wife got pregnant there. And so we're in an insurgency zone 
I mean, do you remember the 100 missing Chibok girls? I mean, that was 50 kilometers from uh, where we were. And with my wife pregnant, it just didn't seem like a wise decision to stay. Uh, even though I can't tell you how much I, I enjoyed the opportunity, the people, the, the, just being there and kind of doing journalism that matters. I mean, there was a town that was sacked north of us called Mubi, and we used our AM radio transmitter to reunite people with their families, and it worked. And it was, you really got a sense of what media can do just from I mean, putting people together. Uh, but yeah, she was very, very, uh, what did she say to me? That me and uh, our two children, one being unborn, are moving back to Omaha, where she was from, even though we've been living in New York for 20 years. Um, you're welcome to join us. And so uh, I found myself in Omaha in 2016. And uh, being a New Yorker or Philly, uh, I guess hybrid of both, being in Omaha kind of feels like, I don't know, jail, uh, exile. And what do you do when you're in jail? You read a book and you go to the gym. So I went back to school, uh, got a master's in XR, and I was happily uh, doing medical stimulations for surgical nurses. And I'd studied VR in college 20 years before when you had to wear a giant helmet and it just sucked. Uh, even then, I thought this is 20 years away and you know, 20 years has gone by. So here I am studying VR again and uh, you know, was happily doing this. And I, I got a call from a colleague of mine that uh, wanted to introduce me to a guy named Patrick Gotch, who started Rural Media Group. And um, the first time we, we spoke, I knew he was in need of kind of an OTT solution. Um, but I, I was in school, and after I left, I, I agreed to meet him, and it was uh, July 27th, 2018, 2019, I forget the exact year. Uh, things move so fast here. And um, he asked me, you know, 9.30 in the morning what I was doing that afternoon, and, you know, I had a job, and I obviously said nothing, you know, obviously. And I found myself on his jet about three hours later in D.C. lobbying a senator of for kind of rural rights that a lot of uh the comcast and uh, a lot of the large cable conglomerates uh would cut off rural content and would assume that the dukes of hazard represented rural content and i, I agreed with his stance uh, i mean just that you know media to a certain degree should represent uh you know the people of the country that it serves there's a there's a public duty to it it's not just you know pure capitalism in my opinion um yeah so i agreed with him and uh talked to him about what his plans were and he was telling me about uh he needed somebody in digital didn't quite understand it and um having worked at places like you know viacom and scripts in order to get like a font changed, you'd have to go through like three or four entrenched departments, not so much uh, uh, at, at MTV, more, more scripts where it was, you know, these in, entrenched departments and you couldn't really innovate or get anything done without committee. And um, I called my buddy, Nicholas Butterworth, who used to be uh, CEO of MTV uh, Interactive. So what do you think of this opportunity? Because, you know, it's, it was kind of taking a step in a different direction. I was planning on going to XR. And he just said the two words, green pastures, to me. Uh, and I thought about it, and I looked at what like they're following on, um, on Facebook and social, and they have you know, a couple hundred thousand. 
And they had this sort of homegrown OTT service for RFD, which is, you know, news for ag, farmers, polka, uh, a lot of polka. And uh, I decided to take the job. And uh, he, uh, he told me about the Cowboy Channel, and uh, which used to be Family Net, and they were launching, you know, a, a, a you know, they wanted to do an OTT service for rodeo. And uh, I asked him what his timeline was. And this was in August. And he told me three months to get an app up and, uh, you know, a mobile app and an OTT service. And, uh, you know, just do what I wanted with the department. So he was like, I don't care if you fire people, do what you want. And so I met people uh, in Nashville. And the first thing that I really ask people whenever I, I take over at a position of leadership is, uh, what do you do currently and what do you want to do? Um, because I find it helpful to kind of see if you can align a position into where they see their career going, even if it's not currently where they're at. And it, there's a lot of talent internally. And so I, I kind of reallocated some positions, um, hired two sports journalists that were straight out of college at University of Nebraska and um and and we launched uh, hired a developer and uh, we launched uh for the first nfr which we didn't have rights to at the time um uh, in yeah, 2018 or 2019 i forget i forget the, the date i remember 2019 so that was the first nfr that we actually did and um yeah we launched in may of 20 2019 uh, when we acquired the right the prca rights to stream and broadcast rodeo from uh, cbs and the first tech stack we used was uh, OTT Flow, which was kind of a triad product of Kling, uh, Bright, Bright Cove, and uh, Aceto. And um, the one thing I can tell you in the, the four years I've been here is that it's sort of a story of growing faster than your tech stack demands. So we have just busted at the britches every conceivable moment. And uh, my Lord, I can tell you about pain points. We'll definitely jump into some of those pain points. So actually, David, by the sounds of it, I don't know if uh, doing the Cowboy Channel sounds like the craziest thing you've ever done in your life. But you did mention, you know, there's an opportunity for us to, to jump into some of the specifics there. And, you know, you're talking about... Uh, uh, that, that would be uh, going golfing with Luther Campbell in uh, 1999 <laughs> or 2000. That was... That, 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 that's that's a that maybe is a story we can tell uh, when we're having more of those beverages plurally not singularly yeah it's also not <laughs> meant for public consumption either that was a weird one anyway make, sorry. make for a great podcast but you know i guess just really briefly going back to sort of the cowboy channel you mentioned very early on you know you guys were already grow, outgrowing the tech stack but maybe just kind of going from the beginning like just a little bit of you know I guess figuring out like how you actually necessarily got it off the ground in terms of figuring out that there was even a market there for it. Cause you know, we kind of talked about at the beginning, sort of the niches get riches, you know, just the idea of even building this as a platform to begin with. And then kind of that ideation and, you know, talking about some of that early tech stack. Okay. Uh, no, that's easy. The only way to really describe the avidity of rodeo is, uh, to describe what the NFR is, which is the National Finals Rodeo, which is the first week of December in Vegas. So I arrived there, and this is before we had the IP rights, and we were presenting our app schemas to uh, uh, the PRCA, showing them, and they were, you know, doubtful of like, who's this guy from Philadelphia who's like, with, you know, telling us what they what, what I, I recommended. 
uh, all of Vegas for these 10 days becomes just rodeo. I mean, I'm talking millions. Uh, the Thomas and Mac Center is completely sold out for these 10 days. Tickets on the secondary market go for you know well over uh, $1,000. Um, it is, it's insane. It was eye-opening. I mean, I've never seen so many Stetsons and Boots, uh, I mean, ever. I mean, it just, it wasn't just sort of a, this niche thing that was, it felt like a cultural phenomenon. It wasn't just a hotel in Vegas. It was like every hotel. I mean, it was intense. And again, I had watched PBR before, uh, you know, when it was on CBS, because I was like, oh, guy jumping on a bull. This looks, you know, like, it was interesting. I mean, it was like, I didn't know the rules. And um, I was sitting there and one of our uh, head sales guy, a really great guy named Sean Cassidy, uh, was nice enough to let me ask as many stupid questions as I could about rodeo. So I'm watching team roping, you know, two people roping a, a, a calf. The guy misses the back hoof. And I was like, so what's that? And he goes, you add 10 seconds to the clock. I'm like, oh, like a balk in baseball. He's like, take a base. And I realized that rodeo to an outsider, it helps if it's explained to you. I mean, the analogy I would draw would be like starting a cricket app here. You need to, it's unlike, you know, football or soccer where most people's kids play it. Uh, so you're familiar with the rules, but outside of people who know rodeo, uh, I mean, it's not that the rules are complicated or arcane, but you need to really understand it and to, and to really appreciate it. And once you do, it opens up. Uh, I mean, I, I, I follow it like any other sport now. It has the same level of excitement that, you know, a good you know, baseball game does or a good football game. I mean, to you're, you're really, especially barrel racing, you are you know, on a horse going 25 miles an hour and then having to tightly turn uh, around three barrels. Uh, it's also, you know, one of the few sports that men and women are paid equally, uh, which I found interesting. Um, but, but yeah, it, it just was so obvious a market, uh, after just seeing what the NFR was. David, is there any, so, you know, cross sports, sometimes you get a mix between, there's a lot of competition, a lot of parody, or there's some real standout champions. Do you have like the equivalent of like a Tom Brady of rodeo or is it? I mean, a, currently, yeah. Or, I mean, it depends yeah, on, I mean, the, the, Rodeo has been around for a hundred years. I mean, it's as American as you can get. Uh, the NFR has been going for more than 50. So you have, you know, there's a, a hall of fame museum uh, of champions in Colorado Springs where the PRCA is located. But I mean, right now Stetson Wright is just dominating. I mean, this guy is not only a bull rider, but he's also a riding bronc as well. And, uh, it's insane what these uh, athletes are capable of. And one of the big things that has occurred in the sport is, uh, is breeding. I mean, in the early eighties, I mean, if you go back and look at some of the archives, just the quality of stock was a lot smaller. I mean, now you have bulls, uh, I mean, that are, you know, a ton and a half that, like nothing more than to ruin your afternoon. Uh, then people, it was commonplace for people, you know, to have a couple beers before they jumped on a, on a bull. Now uh, the Tom Brady aspect of conditioning, alkaline diets uh, are 
are, are really coming into play. People are taking it from a conditioning standpoint a lot more seriously than, than ever before. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's legit. And so, David, do you because you guys aren't you you're buying the rights to the competition, right? Or what sort of relationship? We're the rights it? holder. We have the we're the rights holder to broadcast and stream the sport. Yeah. So the PRCA would be the equivalent of the NFL. Yeah. They're the sanctioning body of all of the rodeos. And in order for a cowboy to compete, they need their PRCA card. And the way the sport works is they go, I mean, the season is long. Uh, it starts in Denver in January, and it goes all the way to the end of September. And it's all based on money. So how much money do you make at these rodeos? And uh, that requires strategy alone. So during uh, the sort of July run, which uh, people call Cowboy Christmas, uh, there's a lot of gaming as to where do I go? Do I go to Cheyenne and Spanish Fork so you can hit as many rodeos as possible uh, to get as much money as possible? I mean, and I've talked to athletes that have put 25,000 miles on their car. I've talked to some of the female athletes that carry a horse with them that do 25,000 miles towing a horse. Yeah. And I mean, there was a breakaway racer that needed just a little bit more money. Uh, Jody Connor uh, had to go all the way to Maine just to get that little bit of money to make the NFR. And it's, you know, top 15 in the world go there. And, uh, you know, Jeff Metters, who's been announcing it, uh, proud to call my friend for got 30 years. As he said, the, the uh, Kings don't make the NFR, the NFR make Kings. And it really is just the place. I mean, you feel it. I mean, you guys should come sometime. It'll it'll, it'll blow your mind. Well, well I've all, I've already been given, thankfully, from yourself uh, a year past to the Cowboy Channel. So I actually had it on the office the other day, showing people because, um, like, like as you said, there's there's nonstop live content. There's tons of archive content just to show people because no one in the UK's got any idea. I sort of, you know, had some memories of you know we have a, a little rodeo down the street for me in Springboro, Ohio. But one of the things you touched on a little bit, you know, you talked about early days, um, Bright Cove, Acido, some of the different platforms, but maybe just talking about sort of how you got uh, from the launch as compared to where, where you're at now, because there is a story I'm going to specifically ask you about um, where you were learning some things, but maybe just talk about like the development, kind of where the platform started off to, to where it is now in terms of uh, scale, uh, capabilities, things like that. Absolutely. I mean, we started with nothing. Um, we had, I mean, the RFD TV had 4,000 subscribers. So I built two apps in parallel uh, where I wanted a mobile app that was similar to the MLB, which I've been, you know, a fan of and used for God, 15 years, ever since it started. And I've always liked it. And uh, so I wanted that sense of news highlights and, you know, the sport deserves it to really, I mean, I've always kind of liked kind of bending technology to bring it to people that are either underserved by technology or the content that they want. Um, and yeah, I wanted it to be, you know, a premium experience. So we, built a mobile app that integrated with our CMS, our web CMS, so you could get all the news highlights. I, I wanted live stats. And then I realized that rodeo, again, it's, uh, it has its challenges. So rodeo is kept score by what's called the rodeo secretary, who's usually you know an older person with a pen and a paper or a pencil and paper. And then they fax it in at the end of the night 
to the PRCA, which then gets populated. Sorry, David. Did you, so the say, idea did you say that they still fax it in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but in certain cases, they fax it in or email it in now. Um, but yeah, it's pen and paper wow. where they're the, the official person who officiates and I guess notarizes what the score is. And so real-time stats is it's coming. I mean, I offered to write, and I'm not a coder, but I mean, I can do a little bit uh, just to, to write something like an app to get it on an iPad and ship them all out so people could do it. But there's a lot of tradition in rodeo. There's a lot of, uh, you know, keeping things as it, as it was. And I, I, I get that because I mean, it's a you know, more than a hundred year old sport and it does have a, a, a strong tradition, but still, I mean, I would like to you know know what the percentages of which way uh, bull turns left or right based on you know to get advanced stats into it, which we're seeing a, a need for. Uh, but yeah, the, the the tech stack we used OTT Flow, which was this uh, a fine product. I'll say if you're doing one live channel and uh, have five to seven thousand subscribers, and during our first NFR, we went from like 3,000, when we went through May and um, May, June, July, added five, 6,000, uh, which was an incredibly interesting time because, you know, I built the app how I saw it. And uh, we, I learned, I got a lot of critical feedback. I mean, you can build, you can focus group, but until it's actually out in the open, I mean, to me, that's where you learn what works and what doesn't. And a lot of the athletes didn't know how to find the live stream. And so I added more redundancies in where there's literally a button in the center that says live. You click next to it where it says Cowboy Channel Plus, you can also get the live stream, but you know, creating co-indexing of content, redundant ways that people can get in the most obvious way that wouldn't be the most obvious to you was uh, kind of a fun process to, to sort of figure out what people wanted. But when the first NFR rolled around, uh, we went from, in the first 45 minutes, from, I think, 5,000 subscribers to 30 in 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, our entitlement provider went down. Yeah, it I'm could not, not surprised. handle <laughs> the, and again, I, I mean, it was, it was cling. I'm cool with them. I understand why, because we were on OTT Flow and their server refreshes, you know, every hour. They're not assuming the spike. Neither were we. We, we, we didn't anticipate. I mean, I knew it would be a jump, but I didn't ex anticipate, you know, a 5,000% increase in 45 minutes. And uh, that was resolved, but it created, I mean, it wasn't a good look coming out of this year. And we had uh, 5,000 phone calls and angry emails. Yeah, and I'm there, you know, this was actually, this is the following year. So we're in, um, was, yeah, it was 2019. Yes, we were in, uh, in Vegas. God, it, was, it was nuts. And I remember uh, talking, wait, I'm trying to get the dates right. I think it might have been 2020 because I think COVID, it was, no, it was just after, it was just before COVID. So it was 2019 in, uh, in December. And um uh, I didn't know what to do. I remember panicking in my hotel room, thinking I had 5,000. I mean, we've got the issue resolved. We had 5,000 uh, unanswered emails and phone calls. And I called my boss and I was just like, you know, apologize for what happened because, you know, ultimately the responsibilities with me. And he said, call everybody back. 
every single person back. And I didn't think for a second that that was a bad idea or ludicrous. It was like, fucking brilliant. And so grabbed every social person I had, grabbed every intern I could find. I mean, uh, I mean, his daughter helped out and we just created a spreadsheet. We didn't have a customer service department. I mean, we had two people uh, that were answering phone calls manually and answering emails manually because we didn't anticipate this growth. And we called every single person back. I mean, over the next three days. And uh, once you got them on the phone, they understood. They were nice. They, they were surprised that a human being called to apologize for the inconvenience. The mistake I made was using my cell phone, and I still get phone calls. I'm not joking. Like when it goes out or if there's an issue, like I will get like, it's my biggest, your biggest fan. I mean, I got a call from a guy in a COVID ward uh, to help him get back online. And he sent his nurse to Fort Worth uh, to, to thank us. I mean, it just, once you listen to people and own it, uh, they're with you. I mean, it was the, one of the most valuable business lessons I've ever learned, which is just, I mean, admit it, number one, apologize and just like, just, just own it. And, and listen to people. It worked. So after that little that little fun experience, David. Actually, uh, sorry, one last thing. And out of the twenty six thousand or whatever, I think we processed four hundred cancellations, which is nothing. I mean, in terms of percentages. So, so after that experience, that time oh, that's that's one moment right like what what happened after that did you guys kind of get into a good rhythm the technology you guys adjusted accordingly and no 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 so i realized at that point that i needed severability ott flow was all bundled together and i needed the ability to kind of separate the triad of front end cdn and uh, uh entitlement and so I went with, uh, and also the migration from RFD to, to Kling was difficult. We had to go from authorized.net to Adian, and it was, it was annoying. Um, but I wanted, you know, an entitlement system that was, you know, robust, uh, that I could do more things with, that where we were the merchant of record, um, which uh, a company called MPP uh, was able to do. And the migration from Kling to MPP was, you know, a full nightmare. Um, so we had 27,000 people and I need to take a step back and explain the audience. Uh, during when I was returning 5,000 phone calls, some people were upset, crying even that they couldn't install the app on their flip phones. And I know this is funny, but at the same time, it's my problem. It's I mean, true, it's... Yeah. Uh, so you have to explain it to them. I mean, we're dealing with people that are 70, 80, that are not technically savvy. And that's my audience. A lot of them. It's my job to connect them, to make it easy for them. And it really is. Mm -hmm. And when people would sign up on Roku or uh, connected devices, uh, they would enter their emails incorrectly. It would be like a G with the L missing uh, uh, sometimes it would be their grandson's name who would help them out. So when we migrated from Kling to MPP, it required a password reset. And people were unable to reset their passwords because if your email's wrong, you get the email 
to the password reset to a wrong email. What do you do? And that's where I learned the significance and importance of middleware. So uh, we were able through my developer, Ken Connor, who created the app and uh, we were able to create a piece of middleware, which uh, you know, called into MPP's uh, system and allowed us to change passwords. So I could say, you know, your password now is, you know, rodeo 23 or whatever and get people back up and running. But that was, that was eye opening that, uh, it, it really, you know, especially on the connected devices, people enter their stuff wrong all the time and there are not many solutions out there. There still aren't, uh, that allow you to do that. So David, you're only talking a few years ago, right? Like, you know, cause you're, you only joined the Cowboy channel only four, less than four years ago. So you're talking, it's not like uh, we're talking like a decade ago when streaming. No, it'll be four years this July. Yeah. So it just shows that, it, you know, for those that are listening, like just how there are still so many base technical challenges that exist with oh, yeah. launching a platform, even with one, with an established audience and so forth. Like things like you guys having to build your own middleware is, is a great example of unless you there's people that do the end to end there's people that do bits and pieces of it but if you want to do it yourself it becomes really complex to to get all those moving parts to work in harmony right they they don't well, normally sync up as well as you like absolutely and uh i mean in a perfect world you'd want you know a holistic solution and you know when we first started i, I met with delta tray and you know stopped the conversation after i found that it was going to be like two million dollars a year and i had nothing i mean i didn't have income coming in yet uh, so it didn't make sense, even though their product was like, I mean, I was drooling over it. It was beautiful. I mean, it was fantastic, but it was too much. I mean, what I needed was something small. And, um, so going with kind of a CETO one, uh, MPP and, uh, we left, uh, Bright Cove and went to JW player, um, uh, made sense. And, you know, JW, I got to give a shout out have been one of the best partners out there. Um, I mean, right off the shoot, they, they acquired View Alto, and I think it was like July 5th, it went down for 30 minutes. And I'm like, this is not good. And I mean, like, you know, we just went signed with you guys, and I'm, I'm livid. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, during the migration with the whole password resets and everything, it was me and Suzanne. Uh, that was our customer service department, me and Suzanne. On Outlook, like we didn't have Zendesk, so we were responding in Outlook. And I mean, there were, I mean, we were up to three in the morning at times and just dealing with this manually. And uh, it, it, it was insane. So then JW goes down because, you know, they just acquired View Alto. Uh, and I sent some scathing email to Dave Auten and, you know, the, the, the brass there. And they were on a Zoom call within 30 minutes. And it felt like one of those experiences after the phone call where you kind of complain at a restaurant, like the steak's too rare, too well done, usually too well done in my, like it rare. And uh, they so overcompensate, like here's a seafood tower, everything's comped, that like I felt bad for even complaining. Uh, it was just like, the reason we went with them is, uh, we, again, I've been with Bright Cove four times in my life in different stages. And the product's bulletproof, it works, but there's always a rift between engineering and sales, and it was really big there, though it's gotten a lot better recently with their new CEO. Uh, and the first time I was on a call with uh, with Dave at JW, like they had Jerome, the guy who was named after, they had their engineering on the sales call. It was like, all right, you guys. 
and they've just taken just great care of us and we didn't have to do any of the games of anticipating how much usage we need and then at risk of charging being charged overage like i really don't like that dance um so we come to the second nfr and things went better not great we changed the pricing a lot so at first it was 79 dollars the standalone the following year it was 99 with the nfr included um with no nfr possibility for monthlies you have to uh, you had to upgrade and upgrading had glitches uh on all of the uh on roku so people were unable to they would click upgrade they would get charged but it wouldn't work so we had to create a system in our middleware very quickly just grant access to the nfr which uh we did on the fly but it was a much less of a problem it affected about six thousand users so it's about two days of responding to people and at that time we had a customer service department of i think five uh, I mean, who are still mad at me for having to go through that, but uh, there were less tears than uh, the first one. Yeah, well, it sounds like that's a lot of emails. But... Oh, then we got to, we were about <laughs> 50,000, so we added 30,000, 40,000 people. Actually, we got to 68,000 at that NFR. So you said now you're you're over 100,000. Um, if I remember correctly, I think you told me 14 million in revenue last year uh, from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, it's still even that short period of time continued to grow. So I guess maybe now you know you've gone and that's, through. That's some including of- about 1.2 in digital advertising that we leverage our social. Uh, I mean, not banners, but what we figured out a way we put highlight clips up and then animate a banner up just for a sponsor, and uh, th- that that works well. I mean, our social department, I mean, just to give you a sense of the NFR, uh, I mean, I brought up some stats. So in 2022, during that 10 days, we are the top five grossing sports app during the NFR. Top five. I mean, we are the top 25th overall sports app during that very short period, but we're there. Um, I mean, during the NFR, we were only behind ESPN. Dazen, or I don't know how to pronounce it, Dazen? Dazen. Yeah, uh, and the NBA. I mean, beating MLB, NFL. Uh, I mean, during December. I mean, again, 10 days. But we, to give you a, a sense of scale, we get 15,000 requests, I think, per minute in that 45-minute period. As big as Disney for that 45 minutes. Uh, and no one really takes us seriously when we tell them that and that's kind of been a source of the problem so just curious uh, curious david on on the the right side of things a little bit what what is exclusive to the cowboy channel and your ott proposition versus what of those rights are distributed more more wider and more mainstream if any if any through the other networks etc oh we have exclusive broadcast rights to all prca rodeos uh, and streaming rights. At first, there was a company called Wrangler that had their own streaming service uh, that could get some of the lesser tiered rodeos. Um, but there are other rodeo circuits out there. I mean, there's not just the PRCA, but the PRCA is the one with the NFR. I mean, it's it's the big one. And yeah, we have those rights locked down until 2028. Nice. Good, run, um, good runway for you. Yeah, and we actually just, uh, we uh, when is this being broadcast? Because there's stuff I can reveal and stuff I can't, depending on the date. 
Well, we're talking about potentially running it uh, as early as next Wednesday. But if you tell me there's something secret juicy, you know, we can always be flexible. Yeah, so well, no, this this just, is live uh, time editing, everybody. I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, we, we came to an agreement with the TRCA to expand um, our rodeos to, to, to 900 performances. And um, one of the things we did, especially during COVID, is there – I mean, there are maybe 20 big rodeos, you know, your Cheyennes, your Pendletons, but you also have these very small ones that still matter, um, that matter to the community, that matter to the sport. Uh, I mean, places like Belfouche, uh, which is, I mean, an incredible, Deadwood, I mean, these are incredible rodeos, I mean, Clovis. And at first we would send an encoder to them and they would have, you know, high school students operate cameras and plug it in and send this, the, the feed to us. And it would be uneven. I mean, sometimes uh, internet uh, wouldn't work. Uh, cell phone signals, they'd be in such remote places, uh, would create issues. I mean, just to get 20 up and 20 down, a lot of these places was impossible. So we spent two years working with each of these smaller rodeos about how to, you know, improve their lighting, improve their camera work, improve their audio. Uh, and in turn, because they were on our both broadcast network and app, they were able to increase their revenue by selling local sponsorships. And so it had this sort of wonderful feedback, both for the community and for us, that we were able to deliver, you know, the ability for someone to see their grandson ride uh, in, in high school rodeo, which we also just picked up, uh, in, in the junior world finals, which is college rodeo. Uh, so really working with these places to, to kind of help them understand both what the opportunity was, but also what the opportunity required, uh, was, was a great experience. And, um, and, 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 and people really kind of, you know, st stepped up. But I do have to say that there isn't a kind of an inherent problem with rodeo, in my opinion. It's not a problem, but there's, as of now, I feel like the maximum, I mean, there was a stat that 1.1 million people uh, will uh, watch rodeo more than once a month, which is small. I mean, if you really think about it. Um, so part of my mission is to expand the sport. And one of the things I noticed is that people will go to a Cheyenne because there's a, a country fair aspect to it. They go to Cheyenne every year, uh, but they don't follow the circuit the same way like a PGA tour would. And so part of our mission is to really work, and this is where my social team comes in. I'll give Brett Nierengarten and Mike Snow, Madison Kendall a huge shout out, uh, is to, to understand the narratives uh, of, of what's happening in the sport to really allow people to follow it more like a circuit rather than just an individual occurrence. And once we really, and that's, that's where, you know, the future goes to with sort of fast channels for us. Uh, but, you know, once we, it's working, once you start developing stars, which, you know, Stetson Wright, Rocker Steiner, people like that, Haley Kinzel, uh, are, are really doing, I mean, the, the, the easier my job becomes. Just a quick one on, just you touched upon it there, just very quickly, the, the production side of things, I found interesting with that 900 shows, you sort of alluded to some of that being handled by the local <coughs> events, which oh yeah, are you handling some of those as well for the bigger shows or are they all handled by the organizer? Oh yeah, 
No, we have a truck. I mean, we have two control rooms. Uh, the NFR is all ours. Um, I mean, we used to have the American Rodeo, which we did, uh, which was an AT&T stadium. And I got to say, for a Phillies fan to be letting Jerry Jones's personal bus. Yeah. Wow, that is something else. Yeah. <laughs> no vandalism. Yeah, like, excuse me, Eagles fan. What am I saying? A Philly fan, but an Eagles fan. Yeah, his, of course. Uh, his bus. Um, and just the, the business model there, you've touched on the 100,000 subscriber number. Just Is it pretty straightforward, or do you actually have an event by an event model as well as a, a subs model? Well, it changes a lot. Um, I mean, again, we had pre-COVID, so we included the NFR uh, in a $99 subscription last year. Uh, we separated it. We made it a $99 uh, just a la carte and a $99 you know, annual sub. Um, this year, I, I believe we're moving back to an, all in, an, an all-inclusive, uh, but at a higher price point. I mean, MLB is $149. I mean, I feel like $129, $139, something like that's fair. Uh, for the sheer amount of content that we're uh, we're bringing people, pricing is always an interesting conversation, right? Because, like in this instance, we're talking about you know there's clearly an incredible fan base there that's super passionate about this. My argument would be that is far more of a premium offering, deserving of a higher price point than anything that the MLB and ML NFL would offer, unless they offer something that's distinctly delineated from the second and third tier what fans can get. If you know what I mean, like I, I do think mm -hmm. that the more the sport, the less accessible. A sport is to on through other uh, linear and OTA networks and so forth. The more reason that there should be a higher price point on on those rights, really. Although the, uh, I mean, no, I, I agree, but at the same time, you also don't want to ever give your fans a sense that you're gouging them because they're of course, you know, of course. They, they support us. So I mean, the, the spirit of fair uh, and showing them what they're getting and explaining to them just fair and square what they get and also what it takes to do this. I mean, it's a lot of money on our end, both for the, the, the for the IP rights and, and to produce all of this. I mean, the NFR we're bringing we're rolling trucks in. I mean, we are we. It is. I mean, there, there's a sky cam. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it is a massive, massive production. Uh, I mean, we've rolled trucks into Salinas before, and but just to get the logistics of 900 performances out with our staff. I mean, my staff's nine people. Maybe eleven now, if I you know counted on two hands. Um, it, it's it's a massive undertaking uh, to 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 make sure everything works. Just a quick quick one on the NFR. So that's the national finals rodeo uh, for for those playing at home. I just had a look online, and the prize money for the what's the prize money there? Uh, I mean millions. It is in it's several million. Uh, yeah. So in my opinion, that's low. No, well, yeah. So, well, it's saying here uh, it was six million in twenty twelve. Mm -hmm. So I can't find the twenty twenty three number. But anyway, if it was that in twenty twelve, it's going to be oh, a it's, higher it's now. much, much, much higher. I yeah. mean, like it's it's more than quadrupled, and that's as a result to the attention that the Cowboy Channel has brought to the sport. I mean, it's uh, people truly love it. I mean, it's, they they love the product, they love the app. I mean, they complain. Don't get me wrong. And my job is to address the complaints and let them know that they entered their email incorrectly. <laughs> and maybe could they have their grandson sign up for them? Dave, you talked about the app a little bit. I'm just curious. These days, we're now seeing the the use of the term, or even what an app is, is is sort of a fluid term now. What what just out of interest outside of the live broadcast? What else do you have available in that platform? 
Oh, you're going to love my, my uh, so my head of streaming is a guy named Mike Sachi, who's a crotchety guy from Yonkers who now uh, lives in Nashville, who I, I love dearly. And he will be the first person to, I mean, he will love this question because he hates it when people just say the app because he always goes, are you referring to the mobile app or OTT? Because they are different things. So we have a mobile app, which, uh, you know, has a free version and that has the news stats, highlights, uh, uh, you know, push notifications. Um, and then we have, you know, the the suite of OTT apps that are Roku, Fire Stick, Android, Samsung. But in terms of new offerings, we're uh, implementing SSAI advertising, which is a bitch to do, I will say. Uh, I mean, to have that, I mean, on rodeo to rodeo, not hard, but to have that swap out your ads from your live stream, not easy. And uh, so th that'll be online in June. Because actually one of the things I learned from one of your conferences that was valuable is that uh, people tolerate and expect interstitial breaks in sports. It's not just that they don't mind them. They expect them as long as it's the same, not the same Liberty Mutual ad where it drives you insane to see the same ad over and over and over again. And that, that was a huge takeaway. And so we're... we're Implementing SSAI ads uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's, it's revenue that we can get with the 14 million hours we're streaming, but also as a way of uh, you know hooking up the smaller local rodeos where they're able to you know target their own DMA and sell you know to local Ford dealerships, to Ram dealerships uh, that make sense in, in pretty Prairie, Kansas, uh, to kind of give them a new revenue stream as well. Um, we also launched the Cowgirl channel recently, uh, which is um, a lot. It's going to be geared towards lifestyle, but it's more of like an ESPN two. So we're going to be broadcasting. So it's not really gendered like Cowboy Cow, but think of it more as a binary, like uh, not as a gendered binary, but more as a you know an ESPN one, ESPN two, uh, with some lifestyle content, some home shopping. Um, but also, we're revamping the our tech stack right now. Uh, I mean, we had yet another outage at the NFR uh, last year where we were down for a day uh, because of, uh, of another entitlement issue. Yeah, it took down us, Hallmark, uh, where we, I mean, it was, that was a bad day. I mean, it was just a horrible day. I mean, I think the only thing about that, you know, you saw recent news, Netflix tried to to live stream one of their reality TV show finales. And I think someone else went down over the weekend, Nick, or last week. I can't remember, Nick, but it's just sort of, you know, we just keep coming back to the same thing we've said before, like streaming is not easy. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's it's the Cowboy Channel with 100,000 subscribers or it's Netflix with its millions and millions, like yeah. all these things that you just, the types of things you just never think of, or at least I don't think of. Well, it's, it's not that you think of, it's just that I think everything's thought about in a lot of in these instances but yeah. the reliability like something can just not work optimally and then yeah, there's all i these was telling cycles, like, right? i mean i had a meeting with my entire tech stack and i said pray to whatever god you do if it's santeria just like kill a chicken draw the pentagram do whatever you need to do uh i mean i'm praying to murphy's law uh but something goes wrong and one of the things it would be very easy to dismiss that. Like, so this is actually an interesting conversation point. So, after this tragedy at the NFR, we were down for a day. We were able to fail open. So, anybody who 
that we basically made it for free. Uh, so people could just watch it. I mean, like the entitlement was the blocker. I just wanted to give access. I don't want people to pay for something and not be able to get access because of a stupid entitlement issue. Just open it up. And we did that. Um, so we now have the ability to completely fail open seamlessly. Like I press an oh shit button and it's free for everybody. And which is key. So no one will notice, like they won't have to re-log back in. It is just free. And I feel like that is incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, but in reevaluating all of our uh, you know, new entitlement options, uh, uh, new front end providers, I mean, hell, I talked to Delta Trey again, and uh, I am kicking the tires. It's come down a bit in price. We're almost at that, <laughs> that, that point where they're a very, very appealing uh, solution. Uh, their sales team is amazing with like Vulcan Company. I think, uh, I forget who it was, said, Don't you want to sleep at night? <laughs> I know we're expensive, but don't you want to sleep at night? And it was just like, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. But uh, we're, I sadly, we're punting this year. We're because the devil you know is sometimes your friend. Like, am I happy with my current stack? Some of them, yeah, some no, but I know where things are going to fail. And so we're in the process right now of just ghosting our middleware. So every, you know, API call that Aceto sends to MPP, they're sending to my middleware. So in the event of an outage on either side, uh, I, I can still collect revenue and I can still offer people the, the ability to watch Rodeo. And I'm knocking on wood and you know, I don't think any chickens in Omaha are safe. Uh, but yeah, do I want to innovate? A thousand percent, yes. But for me, my number one mission is just get through yeah. the NFR unscathed. And like, you know, I don't, feel like being up for 48 hours and like, you know, crying. <laughs> or getting some sleep or we're sleeping uh, as well. Um, yeah. The migrations, I, I want to talk about migration a little bit, David, because obviously you have oh, done- It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've been through that experience with a couple of your providers, obviously. Um, now you just talked about the fact that, you know, you didn't want to take that step to because of the devil that you know, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I won't go down that another rabbit hole that I was about to, but I'm curious. Just talk about that experience. So, what um, what was your experience with that migration process? Was it more difficult? living hell? Living hell. Uh, I mean, like going from authorized.net from our homegrown solution to Cling at Adian. I mean, I learned the term salt for for hash passwords. Salt, the little thing you need for a hash password to get the hashes through. Uh, I've learned that uh, basically that computers are very good at calculating square roots, but not in reverse. And that's what a hash is. Um, no, it was hell. I mean, because people enter their user or people enter their passwords wrong. People enter the usernames wrong. Um, you want to create a system that you get people to sign up as quickly as possible. Like with my audience, it doesn't make sense for, you know, uh, 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 to send a password confirmation that you have to click on because we would lose money and it would stop people. Uh, so middleware, the ability to kind of control our own CRM uh, and data is incredibly important. And so we were kicking the tires uh, and uh, a guy named Marie Parenton at Claim, you know, really was telling me about, you know, abstracting out your, your CRM from your payment and, and entitlement. And it's, we were like, it's exactly what we want. So, but we were kicking the tires and we still are uh, for the following year on new entitlement providers, but they all seem like what they're trying to do is kind of own your whole data and 
provide you a dashboard for analytics and uh, and kind of give you all these insights when that's not what I and also fold in customer service, which I believe would be you know some sort of chat GPT thing, or in the rare case as a human being. I mean that's what I do, but for our audience is so unique, so not technologically as sophisticated as as other audiences. I don't want to ever sound come off as condescending or like the way I say that. It's just it's it's an older group. It's like, you know, I remember giving my grandmother a digital camera and she's like, what the hell is this thing? And um, it, it, they require handholding, and so we really need that ability to, you know, change an email address. I mean, people have their grandsons sign up for them. People die, and we need the ability to, you know, on our own process all of that and do it ourselves so um unfortunately it doesn't there are very few providers out there that uh kind of do what we need them to do so we're probably going to be building our own entitlement system which i don't want to do because then you know pci compliance i'm responsible uh i mean there is a certain benefit to having a you know a phone call and a finger to point and someone to blame when you know your entitlement goes down. It's not you, but what I learned after the last outage, and again, that one truly, really caused pain, uh, was I did not like having to apologize for a mistake that was not my own. I hated it. Like, I would rather it be I pressed the wrong button. I made the mistake. It was my error than having it be uh, an errant SQL server getting pegged that could not have been anticipated. I mean, and we stress test, of course, we, I mean, we, we do end to end and it wouldn't have picked this up because usually those are in, you know, UAT environments. Yeah. So I, 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 I'd rather own it. And if it doesn't work, it's on me. So that's kind of the direction we're going. And also I, I want my data. I mean, going from, you know, cling to MPP, it was the data migration is never clean. People will say they're great at it. They can do it. It is never, ever, ever clean. I mean, out of the 100,000 subscribers we have, I mean, I would not be surprised if 35,000 of them were bad emails. I mean, really. Uh, so to, to service your audience in a way that is professional and beneficial to them, you know, we, we need that level of control. I mean, when you get to scales of millions and millions, obviously, it doesn't make sense. But when you're niche, you have to. I mean, it's like you need concierge-level service. I mean, we answer phone calls. Like people right now answering phone calls. And they're amazing sometimes. I mean, we have uh, – I mean, some of the phone calls are just, I mean, truly incredible. <laughs> I have a few framed, actually, uh, of, of letters people have sent in. <laughs> Like, what was the grain depicted uh, that you've shown, that was shown on a promo for Rodeo? And I think our response was, I think it's wheat. (laughs) (laughs) But the audience, I mean, they're incredible. Like, I, I, you know, I'm Philly in Brooklyn. I'm as far from a rural audience as you can get. And, like, I mean, hand to heart, I I just fucking love them. I mean, they're the nicest, most awesome people ever. And one of the things I learned on social is I'll go on, you know, Facebook and on messenger when people are just like you know, saying horrible things and 
literally just talk to people. And one of the comments that was really I, I cherished was the guy told me, it was like, I'm not mad anymore. I was like, well, why not? You have every right to be. And he goes, you listen to me. And I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do? But it made me realize that most people fight because they're just screaming into a void. Like, you know, I do with Verizon all the time. When they get shuffled around and pressing buttons, uh, no one listens. And to have an actual person, you know, own it is a, is a big deal. Well, it's it's definitely a good lesson there. And well, David, you know, we're we're kind of at our normal time. But what I would like to say is, I appreciate the transparency of this. You know, like you said, we you and I talked about this at our event in New York. That when you see people on stage, everything's always good, right? You know, that's the that's the message that goes out. But the reality is. There's probably lots of other people in the industry that are going to listen to this podcast. And like, oh shit, I've been in that seat before, and you oh, know I yeah. do appreciate that level of transparency to talk about it because not everybody is willing to talk about those airs. But you know, there's lots of little lessons in there to learn from. So I appreciate you coming on and you know being yeah, being I've, open I've about it. Push notifications that went to nothing. I mean, like every we just made the mistakes because we keep growing faster than we anticipate. And in this industry, there are product out there for your three to ten thousand. And then you're 20,000 ish. But once you get into live sports, so when you're doing 900 rodeos and you need, you know, the ability to have a live indicator on, uh, you need something bespoke, but bespoke is, you know, 600 grand an app. And so there's, it's really, really hard to kind of jury rig your own system. And one of the things everybody knows is the more you add complexity to any systems, the more fail points there are. And uh, so, I mean, this, this, everybody would agree. This job is one of, uh, you know, doing your best to control variables, to anticipate where your problems are going to be, and then being able to react pretty damn quickly when you're surprised by the one thing you didn't think a break does. Uh, but at the same time, it's ultimately just give your audience, you know, the best service you can. <clears throat> I'm excited. I mean, I've never had a job like this uh with that work with kind of disparate people from different communities that I just like, just love dearly. Awesome. Well, if you've got anything else, Nick, like you said, it was a, uh, it was a pleasure, David. Yeah. I would for, love you guys to come to time, radio. David. It's been a re- really great listen and uh, look forward to hearing uh, what's next for you when we'll catch up with you in 12 months time and see how things have uh, progressed from there. And hopefully you've got some sleep. <laughs> 12 months come to Vegas uh, on the third day. I mean, or after the first 45 minutes, I mean, just knock on what I get past those, but yeah, really come out to the NFR. I mean, it's eye-opening. You'll love it. I mean, you're, you're, you'd be a guest. So I would love oh, to have you. Oh, we're going to send Chris over. He's going to bring the family, and he'll uh, get back to his get back to his roots there. But uh, absolutely. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Before you go, myself and Nick would just like to thank you for tuning into this episode of Streamtime. If you found the episode insightful, please make sure you like and subscribe on whichever platform you listen to. As a growing podcast, we'd greatly appreciate your support in sharing or writing a review. Ultimately, we want this podcast to not only entertain you, but also hopefully help you navigate the digital sports landscape. If you have any feedback on previous episodes or any topics and speakers you'd like to hear from in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find myself and Nick Meacham on LinkedIn or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at SportsProChris1. Nick can be found at SportsProNick. Of course, if you want to stay fully up to date on the sports business news cycle, please make sure to visit the Sports Pro Media website or sign up to one of our several newsletters to make sure you don't miss anything. Once again, thank you, and we look forward to you joining us next week on the Streamtime Podcast.